Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Welcome in, Sports Talker, not T.J. Walker. T.J. will be with us a little later on in the show, uh, the things that afford him to buy a new home that he's sitting in right now, enjoying the luxury of his own house. We'll get him a little delayed. He'll have come back with us a little bit in the second segment and talk to us about what I'm sure delayed him. UK fans will hopefully be sitting on pins and needles waiting to hear some of the recruiting news that he will have posted on his rival site here shortly, and he'll break down a little bit of that with us, I'm sure, as he gets that prepared. But he will be with us a little later on the second half of the hour as well as to finish off the show. We're going to talk to Matt Snyder. He will, at least. I'm sure I won't throw any words in otherwise. From CBS Sports Eye on Baseball. Get a little baseball talk season underway. A little early into 162-game season, but... Never too early to at least get a little bit of a preview talk. I'm sure some Red Sox talk will come up knowing TJ conducting an interview. Maybe he'll slip in a Blue Jay question here and there for me. And obviously the Reds, I'm sure, will come up. Maybe one question that could be brought up to Matt Snyder about the Reds is how much longer will Kevin Gregg be given an opportunity to be a setup man for Cincinnati? That will be one interesting thing to be asked about the bullpen of the Reds and how they can get to Chapman a little easier and smoother to avoid the heartache that the Reds have had to go through in the the tums that the Reds fans have had to eat waiting for their closer to get to the mound. All that a little later on in the show. Uh, I'm kind of glad TJ is distracted. Uh, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, of course, distraction is a part of our theme. ADD kicks in on a regular basis. And one of the things TJ has determined for me to do is to finish watching House of Cards, one of the more favorite shows of both of ours, obviously. On Netflix, and while I was supposed to finish watching that show last night, not that I had anything better to do yesterday evening other than watch the Pacers and Wizards go to double overtime, which we'll talk about a little NBA, I'll sneak that in as much as I can before I relinquish the reins of the Sports Talker back to its namesake in TJ Walker. Was that I was supposed to, I promised him I would finish season three of House of Cards. And if you've ever watched House of Cards on Netflix, it's a great show, excellent show. Kevin Spacey, Robin Wright, both great characters, both well acted. But yet, the third season really hasn't grabbed me. I have a tendency of falling and fading away from shows before they end. Very few shows have I ever finished. And unfortunately, another show has kind of grabbed my ADD attention. Someone has dangled keys, a shiny group of keys in front of my eyes. And I, instead of watching the last four episodes, which is all I have left of House of Cards, like I promised TJ, I end up watching the first eight episodes. Yes, that is an hour and episode last night. That's how much little life and how late I do stay up at night after the Pacers game is over. I end up watching the first eight episodes of Daredevil. Which I've never been a big comic book guy. Never really been a huge comic book guy. But if you haven't, if you are a fan of the network comic book shows, I urge you to get Netflix and watch Daredevil. It is. It will blow your mind if you're a fan of shows like Gotham. You're a fan of shows like S.H.I.E.L.D., you were liking, you liked Heroes when it was out, and none of those shows really grabbed my attention. If you're a fan of the comic book movies, watch Daredevil. It is as good as you're going to get in comic book movie, in comic book television in terms of the adaptation of comic books to the, I don't want to say big screen or little screen, but the screen nonetheless in live action. Very violent, very well written, and pretty damn good, to be honest with you. Speaking of things that weren't really damn good, but yet exciting last night, uh, as I mentioned, TJ doesn't talk a lot about the pay, about the NBA. We'll get into the NBA as the playoffs begin on Saturday. But being the fact that we are the home of the Pacers, and if you listened last night, you heard 
while maybe not the most exciting game, yet even though it went down to the wire, it went to double overtime, Pacers and Wizards on our airwaves. The Pacers with one more game left thanks to the win last night, a win tonight, which you will hear on our airwaves following high school baseball action, if the weather permits it, at 7 o'clock. We'll have the we'll have the Pacers and Grizzlies on our airwaves. Pacers playing win, and you're in. You're in the playoffs. And as a Pacer fan, if you ever listen to my show through the through the uh, during the regular season, even even before the season began, I as a Pacer fan, I was adamant about not bringing a guy like Paul George back. Not allow not not taking the risk. Let letting the season go to a lottery pick. Basically, do what the Knicks have done. Do what the do what the Magic have done the last couple years. Do what the Sixers have done. Do what a lot of basically the teams in the East have done over the last couple seasons. Do what the Timberwolves have done basically their entire franchise history. Do what the Lakers are doing right now, but basically hoping that Kobe will leave and they can use that money along with draft picks to get free agents and get draft picks. I was wanting the Pacers at the most part to do that. But now when you're in the playoffs and you've got a chance and you've got Paul George back, as a Pacers fan, I don't want that anymore. I don't fear the Hawks as a Pacer fan, and I don't think the Pacer fans should fear the Hawks. The Pacers beat the Hawks last year, granted a different Hawks team that's well, almost the same Hawks team playing better basketball, different Pacers team without Lance Stevenson. You know Rodney Stuckey has been playing good basketball throughout the season, picking up a lot of the slack that was left with the Paul George injury and even a majority of the season without a George Hill, who is now back even though it banged up a little bit, tightened up with some back spasms last night, but I'm sure we'll be okay tonight. Pacers sneaking in in the eighth spot, I'm okay with now. Now I don't want that lottery pick because at this point you're getting a late lottery pick, and it, at this point if you're a Pacer fan, you don't really need to worry about getting the 13th or 12th pick when you can go in and just get the 15th, 16th pick and maybe have a chance at actually making a playoff run. But looking at the playoffs in general, if you can't get excited, I mean basketball in college in this area is over. I know Kentucky fans still upset over the loss. Will fans obviously still probably bitter over a Elite Eight loss despite a great run. And you look at the seasons looking at it, it's over. It's not over in basketball. It's, it, for someone who's complained in the past about the length of the NBA playoffs, and it is annoying. It, it, it is very stretched out, and it does with the new – since they went through the seven-game series in each round, has almost all but eliminated any kind of – Major drama of upsets. Growing up, you don't you had the occasional the Knicks in the eight seed knocking off the one seeded Miami Heat in, in in the short seat and on the way to the on the finals. So you had the Nuggets knocking off the Sonics. You had even at one point you had the the Warriors knocking off the Mavericks, which I believe that was a seven game series, which is one of the few exceptions to the rules. You don't get the drama. You just don't get the same kind of drama you got in a five game series in the first round. But yet you do get at least extended basketball and in, in a summertime. And while I do enjoy baseball to a degree, and I don't want to downplay baseball too much since we're going to be talking a little later on in the show with, as I mentioned, Matt Snyder of CBS Sports Eye on Baseball, you don't want basketball to end. And the, lo- the luxury of the extended NBA playoffs gives you literally three more months of basketball. The NBA playoffs is a different season. It's a completely different season than the regular season. It's a different style of basketball. It's a it's a, a season in its own because of the length that you must go through to get to the playoffs. I mean, if you go to seven game series, you're playing roughly almost twenty something games to get an NBA championship. So it is almost which is basically a bit of the season. I mean, it is a small season in itself. 
And with that being said, you look at this playoff, and there's so many great matchups to look at besides the East being the kind of run-down, watered-down, kind of crappier side conference. It is a stepchild. Atlanta at 60-21 and 21 has looked good. Not the most talented team. Not a team that I think strikes fear really in anybody's hearts in the West. The Cavs still trying to get it together. The Cavs still, in my eyes, the most threat, threat to come out of the East to even challenge the West despite being eight games behind Atlanta, despite being the second-tier team behind Atlanta all year long in the regular season. You can say the same thing about the West with the Warriors dominating the West. I don't see the Warriors being a team that represents the West in the finals. I don't see a Warriors, the Warriors-style basketball being able to be able to be successful for the amount of time that required through three series, through four series to win it all in the type of basketball that's played during the playoffs. It's not playoff basketball. It's regular season basketball. It's fun to watch. It's great. Listen, I enjoy watching Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, and shooting threes and running up down the court and looking like they're playing and one basketball and just dominating through the regular season as much as anybody. But I promise you, it's not going to win in the NBA playoffs. It was not going to happen. The Spurs, Clippers, Portland, when they're at least healthy, Memphis, Houston even, when they want to be, are playoff teams. To win in the NBA playoffs, and I know that some of the people out there listening that do enjoy NBA basketball like a Captain Arctic out there, who is unfortunately suffers through Phoenix Suns basketball on a regular basis, knows what I'm talking about. They watch the NBA, know what I'm talking about. It is a different world than what you see in the regular season. I've said it before about individual players. There's guys that are regular season players, and there's guys that are playoff players. There's some that are both, but there's some that are one or the other. And that goes as well as for teams, too, when you look at a team like the Warriors. If you don't have an inside presence, if you don't have a big man, if you don't have a guy that can score on the low post, and before someone texts in or tweets in or even calls in and tells me, then, well, listen, the Bulls had Luke Longley, the Bulls had Bill Cartwright, which, by the way, Bill Cartwright, before he got to the Bulls, was a pretty damn good center with the Knicks and with San Francisco University. They didn't have true centers. They won six titles. True. But yet, if you also go back and watch the triangle offense, you will know that Michael Jordan was the post offense. You go back and look at the Miami Heat's three championships. LeBron James was the post option. When those teams were most successful in their offenses, it was when they got the ball in the block to a player and were able to do that to slow down an offense and to slow down the game and to play in the half court. You don't have that option. You're not getting a ring. I don't care how many good shooters you do have. I don't care how many weapons you can throw at you, at another team. Unless Golden State can show that they have a low post presence, and yes, I like Andrew Bogut. I do. I think Andrew Bogut is a solid, good NBA player. Is he a guy that can be good enough to be that low post presence? Quite possibly. Is he a guy that can be healthy enough to be that low post presence through an entire playoff series? That's a question for a definitely another day and another argument and a gamble I'm not willing to take. That's one reason why I don't the Hawks why I do like because they do have that locus presence. They also don't have the superstar. They don't have Jeff Teague has had a solid season. Paul Millsap is a good basketball player. He's an all-star quality player. Al Horford is an all-star quality player, but you don't have a superstar. And the second thing you need to win a championship is you need to have at least two superstars. You have to. If not, at least in this league, when it's more of a, a spread-out, thinned-out NBA, you have to at least have the one superstar and better-than-quality all-star players. Cleveland has a superstar. 
Cleveland, Chicago had a superstar in Derrick Rose. They don't anymore. Now they're more of like Atlanta. The Pacers have that superstar. I might be biased in my opinion, being a fan of the Pacers, but Paul George is and can be that superstar. The Wizards, for Kentucky fans that aren't aware of it and maybe not realizing it from watching them play last night, have a superstar in John Wall. They have an all-star in Bradley Beal. They have quality role players in low post presence. The Raptors, a team of just all-stars. And when you look at the West, and while the West has a superstar in a Seth Curry, they have an all-star player in a Clay Thompson. They don't have that low post presence. The Clippers have it. The Spurs have it. The Blazers, why well, I'm kind of, again, biased because I am kind of a fanboy of the Blazers. I jumped on their bandwagon last year and kind of a little biasly favored, favored towards them. They have it. But the Warriors don't have an inside presence, and that's the most important to me. The Rockets have both when they want to play. We'll take a quick break, come back. TJ is ready. He has gotten it written. It's 420, so it's about time for me to take a break anyway. We'll come back. We'll get TJ's thoughts a little bit, a little short segment. Then we'll take another break. We'll come back with Matt Snyder of the CBS Sports and Eye on Baseball. Of course, some of the other big news. Obviously, TJ will talk about some recruiting things going on. And outside the court, outside the field, off the field, and off the court, and in the courtroom, Aaron. Of course, if you haven't heard, Aaron Hernandez convicted of murder. No complete shock by me. I'm more surprised that maybe this trial went quicker than it did, even though it's been about over a year. I'm a little surprised it did go as fast. Not surprised that a man like Aaron Hernandez, who was one of those guys who just felt like he didn't, couldn't get in trouble, wasn't one of those guys that was a, the law counted to him. And that's a problem we have with a lot of athletes who grow up getting the pamperness. Most of them realize it without having to commit murder that they're not above the law. But Aaron Hernandez has now realized, I think, with life in prison but no parole, that he isn't above the law. Maybe I'm sure TJ will, will tap in on that a little bit and hopefully avoid and forget that I didn't watch House of Cards last night. We'll be back on the other side of the break with the man who is the namesake of the show, sports talker TJ Walker. When we come back on the other side, this is the Sports Talker on 1450, the Sports Buzz. My eyes are closed. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. Last year, Creed asked me how to set up a blog, wanting to protect the world from being exposed to Creed's brain. I opened up a Word document on his computer and put an address at the top. I've read some of it. Even for the internet, it's pretty shocking. Presented by Alan Electric. www.creedthoughts.gov.www backslash creedthoughts. Check it out. Looking around the house. Heading behind the window. Hello, everybody. Me. It's the sports talker. Thanks for Trevor for filling in. So here's what happened. Uh, I'm getting ready to do the show and I start getting uh, just... 
a string of te- text messages from from different people, different sources, I guess, saying that Kentucky has really turned up the heat with JUCO guard Michael Mulder. Uh, he goes to Vince Vincent's University in Indiana. Uh, he's a sophomore guard there, and Kentucky is very interested in him. Uh, Louisville was interested in him for a time, and it seemed like Louisville was really down between him and uh, the Cleveland State transfer, who they decided to take him instead because I guess he was ready to make a decision, uh, Trey Lewis, that is. So they backed off Michael Mulder a little bit. Now Kentucky is coming into the picture, uh, and and things are hot and heavy between Kentucky and Mike, Michael Mulder. So I had to call some people, try to get a hold of Mulder. He actually answered the phone but said he needed to call me back. When a recruit says that he's going to call you back, that means you're not going to talk to him for a little while. Uh, so I started to call some of his coaches, able to get in, in touch with them, had to write a story. All this happened around 340 uh, so I called Trevor and asked if he could fill in for me for the first segment. Uh, and I listened to the back half of, of Trevor's segment, a lot of NBA talk. Uh, Trevor, thanks for filling in, buddy. Ah, no problem. Uh, speaking of Vincent University, where I almost went to school, I, uh, that was my next place to go to if I didn't go to Western Kentucky because they do have a good broadcasting and journalism program. They do have a nice little uh, alumni base, though. Sean Marion, John Mellencamp, Indiana's favorite musician, as well as uh, Carl Landry, I'm sure you remember, speaking of a little NBA talk, went to Purdue, now an NBA member, went to Golden State Warriors, who I talked about. And uh, Bob McAdoo also went there. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the background. I did not know all that. I go. do know that their head coach is from uh, Central City, Kentucky. <laughs> I did not know their, that, though. See, we're teaching each other here. Their assistant coach graduated from UK, so they're – Needless to say, they were pretty happy that UK is now involved in Mulder's recruitment, and Kentucky has not offered just yet. But I, because I think they know that if they do offer, he will be a commitment. Uh, he'll go to UK if UK does pull the trigger and offer him. So I think UK wants to make sure that's exactly what they want to do. They won't want to want to want to scare away Malik Newman in doing that. Uh, I think there. I think that there's a good chance they do end up offering. So certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, did, a lot do of you think Louisville's kind of backed off completely? I know his name not because of my X file fan days, but because Nick Coffee in the show that follows you has talked about him as well as him being a target of Louisville in the past couple of weeks. I think that. I, I by the by the. Tone of the conversation, and based on what we talked about, it seemed like Louisville is not, at least recently, hasn't been in communication. So this late in the in the game, with it being mid-April, uh, tax day as a matter of fact, if they haven't talked to him in a week, they might as well be not talking to him for months because it's you know either you want him or you don't want him, and you got and he's talking to schools every day. Indiana's really high on him; they really want him, especially with Yogi Ferrell seeming that he's going to to go pro. Uh, so they're in on them. There's a lot. Of, Wichita State's another team that's in on them. There's there's quite a few schools that are are very interested in him. Uh, Kentucky, obviously, the biggest name. So we'll see. And a lot of people are asking me, does this mean UK is giving up on Malik Newman? Do they not feel good about Malik Newman? I maybe it is. Maybe they they don't think they're going to land Newman. Maybe it means they're ready to move on. 
I don't think that's necessarily it in my opinion, and this is no inside information. This is just me reading between the lines. I think this is UK saying, okay, one, I think we should be able to get Mulder if we want him, and I think they will. Two, that shouldn't scare away Malik Newman of a JUCO guard. Uh, if he's scared about playing time getting diminished because we brought in this JUCO, we probably weren't going to get him anyways. Maybe we don't want him if he's scared about that. So I don't think they're necessarily worried about Mulder scaring away Newman. I think it's just, hey, we need a body. He's a really good shooter. He could help break zones in the future. Maybe he turns into this great uh, scoring option that we could have for two years. Uh, and it shouldn't scare away Malik Newman. Now, I, th- I think ideally for Kentucky, they they get Newman, they get Mulder, they get whoever else, but more specifically Newman. But listen, Kentucky just lost seven players, uh, lost a few walk-ons, I guess three walk-ons, which the walk-ons don't really play. You know, they don't play, they don't really matter. But Kentucky's going to only have, you know, eight or nine players, scholarship players. You can't really run a practice with that number. And I'm sure they'll bring in some walk-ons, but they're just going to need some bodies. And, and, and you know, God forbid, I, I've talked about it before, worst-case scenario with a backcourt next season of Charles Matthews, Tyler Ulysses, Isaiah Bresk. Isaiah Briscoe and Domney Hawkins, that's a solid backcourt, I, I think. I, I think it's very talented. I think it can do good things. But what if somebody gets hurt? What if somebody gets hurt and then the next game one of those guards picks up two early fouls? Well, then you've got two guards to play for virtually the next 30 minutes of the game. And then what happens if, you know, again, God forbid, another guy gets hurt? Then you have two guards to play the entire game. You've got to just have more bodies than that. You don't want to necessarily you know, depend on walk-ons. So Mulder, not a walk-on, very talented guy, could play at a lot of colleges, averaged 16 points on a team that went 67-5, and Trevor, over the two years he was there. I believe they very, produced a couple other Division One transfers of that team, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think he, the coach told me that they're going to have uh, six sophomores signed with Division One schools. It's a talented team. He averages 16 points, shot 47% from three. The dude can play. And if you if, if Kentucky can get him with the notion of, all right, he's going to be a backup, let's see if he can pan out, he can help us break zones, then that's a steal in my opinion. You remind me if I'm wrong. It's Kentucky, and I'm not going past before Calipari, have they ever had success with the Juco route? No, and I'm trying to think of how many JUCOs they brought in, and really, I can only think of Darnell Dotson. And I didn't even realize—I forgot he was even I a guess, JUCO. I, I mean, I'm—I I'm, can remember Eloy some transfer Vargas players, was, but Eloy Vargas was a JUCO. Oh well, yeah, but he also started at Florida first, so I mean, well, I guess that does count as a. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm not saying Mueller didn't start somewhere else. I mean, transfers alone have been few and far between for for Kentucky, but JUCO transfers is something I've—I've I've never seen them go that route before. Uh. Clavy116 says, what past UK players from Central City? Uh, I know. Trevor, do you know? Central City? He's played in the last decade. Uh, Patrick Sparks? Yep. You That's, got it. Uh, that was that was seriously a pull that out of my rear end guess. <laughs> That's, uh, you, you're spot on. we got some other tweets and texts I want to get to. Uh, we will. That's why you called to- me on trivia night, by the way, TJ. We had trivia night last night. Ended up coming in second. First time we've ever come in second. Because you didn't call me. 
either we win or, or we don't compete. And the the question that we got wrong that would have made us win by one point oh, really go. made me mad. It was, what term do we still use from the 16th, 1600s uh, for somebody that uh, that can switch jobs or work for one person and then work for another person. Uh, he can, you know, go from employer to employer. Freelance. Question, that's what it was. <laughs> See, that's why he's supposed to call me. <laughs> and I'm an idiot because freelance is most generally associated with writing and what I do writer. <laughs> and I, we, I was kind of out of it, but we said contractor, which you know, it's technically, uh, that's what that means as well. But freelance, that's, you know, freelance, a lance. It's a 16th century term. I was so mad, but whatever. Uh, so trivia went well, but not well enough to win the $25 gift certificate. But uh, alas, maybe next time. All right, we're going to head to our commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little baseball with Matt Snyder, CBS. So we'll, we'll talk, we'll address some of the Reds. Uh, I know a lot of listeners enjoy the Reds. What's going on with Cincinnati? Uh, maybe the Cubs. They're off to an impressive start. They still I'm play baseball have, in Chicago? I think they do. I might have to ask a, a, a Boston question. Do I, get a, do I get a Toronto question sneaked in there because I got I hooked the guest up? You can – sure. Fire away <laughs> on your Toronto question. So we'll be back with Matt Snyder <laughs> when we come back from this break. 1450, the sports buzz. Stick around. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps a rolling on down to San Antonio. Relax. All right, don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Presented by Allen Electric. We're back, 14.50, the Sports Buzz. The Sports Talker with TJ Walker presented by Allen Electric. We don't talk a ton of baseball on the show, but it is spring and summer, and that's what we're going to be moving towards. So there's no better way to kick that off uh, with one of the better baseball writers out there, and that's CBS's Sports, Matt Snyder. Matt, how are you? I'm great. I'm especially excited now that I heard the Bull Durham clip to, to lead into the segment. That's awesome. You know what? That's my producer, Trevor, who makes those <laughs> intros, and uh, he, he's the best at it out there. Uh, he also, he, he was asking before this segment if he could ask you a question about Toronto, so I'm going to let him start it off with uh, a, a question about the Jays. As Trevor? A, as a lone Blue Jay fan in Louisville, Kentucky, a very rare sight to see, will this be the year the Blue Jays are over 500 after the All-Star break, or like the last 21 years, will they fade in February? <laughs> Uh, you know, I actually think that they have potential to, to stick around in the race for a long time. Unfortunately, the Stroman injury kind of put a damper on a lot of their plans for the year because I, I really, with Hutchison, you know, Norris, Sanchez, Stroman, it looks like they have the makings of a real good young rotation. Unfortunately, with Stroman out, I, I don't know if they can stick around deep into September, 
But uh, winning record also break? Also, yeah. Hey, I'll take what I can get sometimes after 22 years of losing seasons. <laughs> All right. Good. And uh, that's good news for you, Trevor. That's got to make you a little bit happy. Uh, Matt, here in Louisville, it, it seems like the, the, the makeup of this town when it comes to professional baseball is the Reds first, probably the Cardinals second, the Cubs third, and then you just get uh, the every, you know, there's a ton of Yankees fans as there are everywhere. There's a lot of Red Sox fans as there are everywhere. Uh, but but with those those first three teams, the Reds, Cubs, and Cardinals, things off to a pretty good start for those three clubs there in the NL Central. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be fun all year. I don't think the Pirates are going anywhere. I think they're going to be up in there. I actually predicted the Cardinals to win the Central, but I, I mean I could see it going any which way, one, one through five. I mean I, I still feel like the Brewers are probably going to finish last, but I think they'll be the best last place team in the majors. Um, the Cubs probably a year away from a big-time breakthrough, but they're good enough to win 85, 86 games. And once you get to that point, it, you still have the chance to be the, this year's version of the Kansas City Royals. So I, I think that it's going to be a real fun year in the Central, and I look forward to a lot of uh, Cubs-Cardinals, Cardinals-Reds, Cubs-Reds, all kind of, uh, I guess it's kind of Louisville on Louisville crime since you have the three fan bases there. It is. It is, and it's. It's. I'm a Red Sox fan, and I guess my timeline is filled with way too many Cardinals, Reds, and Cubs fans. So I kind of get sick of those three teams. But I must admit, the the NL Central the past few years, and it seems that this year is going to be no different, is the most entertaining division in baseball to follow uh, throughout the season. Uh, and you said earlier that you'd like the Cardinals to win it. Are you still sticking with that after six games for them? Oh, no, I actually said Pirates. I, I picked the Pirates coming into the year. I, I think the, the Pirates and the Cardinals coming into the year were the two best teams. The Cubs were a bit of a wild card, and I, a lot of people expected the Reds to be down, but I mean, right before the season started, I kind of talked myself into the Reds having a nice bounce back because they're a lot healthier in the lineup. First and foremost, Joey Votto is the Joey Votto of old this year, and that makes a big difference. But Jay Bruce, you'd expect to be a lot better than last year. Billy Hamilton, we're already seeing signs of it. It's a second full season. He's going to get better, too. So they're going to be exciting on offense. The question's the back end of the rotation with Marquis and, uh, well, Disclafani's looked outstanding so far, and now they're getting Homer Bailey back from the DL. So uh, the bullpen in front of Aroldis Chapman is going to be the real question, but they're definitely going to be fun to watch. And, and we're talking with Matt Snyder, CBS Sports. One question that my Reds fans ask uh, a lot, and I've heard them complain about, uh, is why – it seems like the Reds are very stubborn with Chapman, and he can only pitch in a save situation. If you were in charge of the Reds, would you maybe pitch him a little bit more, maybe bring him in for maybe some five-out saves, uh, maybe even two innings? Or would you just keep him with it being such a long season and him being such a weapon? Would you kind of keep him in that role where you only see him in the ninth inning, and if, if he's not in a position to pitch for a save, he doesn't pitch at all? I mean, you know, you run the risk of games like Monday night, where, where you lose and your best player is, has been sitting in the bullpen the entire game. I, I didn't understand it. I mean, the Cubs used their closer when it was a tie game. Why, why are the, the the Reds sitting there running through J.J. Hoover at all when Earl Chapman sitting there in the bullpen? I mean, even when even if you wait until it gets to be, what was it, bases loaded, no outs, I'm going to Chapman there. I mean, you've come this far. It's a tie game, bases loaded, no outs. What are you saving them for? I, sometimes I, I just don't understand that. I mean, you don't want to overuse them, and you do run the risk of overuse. 
if you're going to say every time at tight leverage, I have to go to him because they don't have that many other good relievers. But uh, in situations like that, I, I just, you know, maybe he was unavailable or, or for that night. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, there are definitely times. I mean, in that Cardinal series, too, I, I kind of felt like, okay, you could, you could go to him a little early here just to make sure that you still have the lead or something like that. It, it feels like Price could be a little bit more creative with him. I agree. Yeah, and Great American Ballpark, the closest major league ballpark here from Louisville. So I go up there uh, at least a handful of time. And, man, the Reds fans love when Chapman pitch, and I know that they'd love to see him pitch a little bit more. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a Red Sox fan, and I'm very happy with the way the season start has started for us and, and uh, just, I think, picked up a loss against the Nationals as this show is going on. But at what point, not only for the Red Sox, but really for every team, because teams can start out hot, they can start out slow, uh, you know you, you know how long a baseball season is, I don't have to tell you that, but at what point do you start saying, okay, these teams are for real, these teams won't be contenders and maybe need to start planning towards uh, next season or, toward, or building towards the future, at what point of the year for you do you kind of determine which way teams are going? Is it a month into the season, two months? Middle of May, maybe. I mean, and even past that, you still have teams kind of fade into the sunset or teams get hot. I mean, you look at the, the uh, what was it, 2012 phase maybe, where they, I believe they were 29 and 34 toward the end of May. And they ended up winning that division, top of the, the Rangers winning, uh, making up like six teams in the last nine of the season. But that's rare. I mean, for the most part, by the time we get into the middle of May, and you're right, and you know, you're safely into the grind territory. I think you can separate the contenders from the pretenders by that point, for the most part. Um, and by that point, I expect, I do think the Red Sox are going to win the AL East. They're my pick to win the AL East. So I guess I'm, you like me more than Trevor does right now. Uh, but I, I think that the rotation, they do lack a, a true ace, but they have a bunch of kind of mid rotation guys. They can get by with that as good as their offense is going to be. And they do have Uwe Hara back at the back end of the bullpen to give them uh, to stabilize the bullpen a bit. I think that they have enough talent in the upper level of the minors that if they're in a dogfight with whether it's the Orioles or Blue Jays um, come mid-June, they could swing for the fences with somebody like Cole Hamels. Or let's say the Reds fall out of it. Johnny Cueto could be there. I doubt it, but let's say the Nationals fall out of it. Jordan Zimmerman could be there. Again, I doubt it. Tigers, David Price. You start looking at guys who are going to be free agents they could grab one of those guys, and Hamels is not about to be a free agent, but he's on the block. But the other guys are about to hit free agency, so the Red Sox are going to be able to, to make a big swing if they want to in July. So that's what, particularly one of the reasons why I liked him win the AL East. And that's the fun part of, of, well, at least, I don't know if it's fun for everybody, but rosters are ever-changing in baseball as the season goes on. It's such a long season that what you see on opening day will be far different from what you see when a season ends. And, and Matt Snyder, I know you're in a time crunch, so last question, I do appreciate you hopping on. Uh, where do you stand with Yaziel Puig and the bat flipping uh, all that fun stuff, or maybe not fun stuff, because he's going to stop doing it, or it seems that he's going to stop doing it. Where do you weigh in on some of the baseball purists and uh, rules are rules, and you don't do this and you don't do that? I think they need to settle down and get a life, man. It's a, it's a, grind. Uh, it's a game. You're supposed to have fun. Uh, you know, and, and it's one thing if he's blatantly doing it to, to show up the opposition or pick fights with the opposition. 
But if you look back at like some of the most high-profile moments were that series against the Cardinals uh, a couple of years ago in the playoffs, and that, that triple that he hit. Well, the complaints were, what if he ran it out? Well, he wasn't going to get an inside the park home run. He got the third base anyway once he turned it on. Uh, him holding up his hands, that was just him being excited and him enjoying himself. And remember, this guy's only a couple of years removed from being threatened by a drug cartel in Mexico to cut off his freaking arms if they didn't get their money before they released him to America. So I have absolutely no problem with him having fun. I encourage it. And I was kind of depressed when I saw the news that he's going to, quote-unquote, respect the game more by kind of trying to stop his bat. Well, I don't want you to change, man. I think what makes him great is that he has so much fun when he plays. And when you start to dial down the emotion, do you start to lose the good parts of him? I, I worry about that. I, I think that's a, a fair concern because he is – if a Dodger – if a casual baseball fan's watching and the Dodgers are playing, certainly if the Dodgers are batting – uh, people are going to tune in more more so than if it was just some other random team because he is fun to watch. He, you never really know what he's going to do, and I hope he decides to change his mind and not tone it down. Uh, but Matt Snyder, appreciate you coming on, talking a little baseball with us here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy the long baseball season. I'm sure we'll talk to you here pretty soon. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, thank you. That was Matt Snyder, CBS Sports. Talking a little baseball, which we don't talk a lot on here on 1450 The Sports Buzz, and I doubt we'll ever have a show where it's complete baseball talk. Uh, but with it being summer and spring and, and eventually into fall, as I'm starting to name off the seasons, uh, we will talk a little more baseball here and there. So it's nice to have somebody to come on and at least talk about some of the local teams with the Cardinals, with the Reds, and what's going on there in the NL Central. It is a fun division to follow. Uh, so appreciate him hopping on. Trevor, anything stand out to you about that interview with Matt Snyder? Uh, he was pleasantly he was pleasant in his answer to my question, even though I know he really wanted to just tell me to just wish in one hand and bleep in the other and see which fills up first when it comes to Toronto season at the end of the year. How did you end up a Toronto fan? Is what I'm curious. <laughs> Uh, I was a uh, growing up. I was a big day. I liked Dave Winfield. He's my favorite player, kind of as a kid, along with Barry Larkin and Pete Rose. Uh, so I was kind of a Red slash Blue Jay fan when Larkin was done dirty by the Reds. I kind of faded more away from them. And when Dave Winfield won his only World Series game-winning hit, Game Six against the Braves in 1992, uh, I just kind of latched on to the Blue Jays. I bandwagoned, yes, as, a, as an 11-year-old, but I think at that age you're allowed to bandwagon as long as you stay with them. And I did stay with them. I stayed with them to the next season when they won a World Series, and I've been with them the last 22, 22 losing seasons since. And thanks to the Royals making the playoffs last year, Toronto now has the longest losing streak without a playoff series in Major League Baseball. Interesting. And credit but we, to you. But we have for, two World Series championships, so I will take that. <laughs> but credit to you for, for sticking with the Blue Jays. I'm sure it's probably hard to be a Blue Jays fan and, and it, it, Louisville. In that time, they've produced five uh, Cy Young winners and zero playoff appearances. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, Trevor, I guess we probably need to head to a break, and then we, we got a couple minutes to the top of the hour. If you want to want to talk a little bit, or we okay. can go at it. It's up to you. You know what? It's your show. Even though you didn't oh, join well, us until twenty five after, we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm fashionably late, Trevor. It's all right. You like to make uh, an let's entrance. Get, let's get to some of the tweets that I missed to uh, in the first segment. Let's see. Captain Arctic says that the only way that Newman is a factor is if he goes to Kansas. Otherwise, no harm, no foul when talking about Michael Mulder, who we spent the first segment talking about. Uh, Mulder 
is – I agree. I agree 100%. I, if that scares away Malik Newman, then Malik Newman probably wasn't going to come to Kentucky anyways. Uh, it just it was unlikely if that is what is the deciding factor. Also, I've seen Malik Newman a ton of times. Uh, he's been one of the top players in high school basketball now for two or three years, so I've been following him since then. Uh, he's really, really, really good, and I'm not going to knock or question how talented he is, but if he were to be scared away by a JUCO guard, then you have to question – maybe his mentality and I don't think he would be scared so it's kind of you know it it will cross that bridge if it if that's necessary and there's one thing we've learned about the way that Cal is going to recruit in his time at Kentucky if you're not willing to have the cojones to to go head-to-head with another good player equally good player on that roster or even split time then you're not to to use the uh Rick Pitino line you're not a Kentucky guy yeah (laughs) Not a Louisville guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. You've got to be willing to compete. You've got to be willing to compete at a high level. John Calipari, it seems like you hear this about, you know, kind of reminds me of a little spring football talk, Trevor, when you interview a new football team during their spring football practices. They talk about how their tempo is faster and the practices are more intense and more physical and this and that. Uh, but John Calipari's practices really are pretty intense. They're they're nonstop for as long as he has you on the court. They can get really, really physical. Uh, it's a lot of dunking. It's a lot of dunking on people. It's it's a lot of running into people. It may not be as physical as some of the old Billy Gillespie practices where he would throw a ball to midcourt and make two guys run from the end of each court and dive on it against each other. Maybe not that physical, but still pretty physical practices. So uh, he needs more bodies. He needs more bodies. And, and Mulder, like I said earlier, he'd be a good body to have. He's a three-point shooter, uh, could could knock down shots, maybe not allow teams to play zone against Kentucky as much because they're probably going to. Uh, with Isaiah Briscoe can knock down threes, but he likes to lower his head and, and drive into the paint and try to draw some fouls similar to Andrew Harrison. Tyler Eulis, again, can knock down threes, but he has to be semi-wide open to be able to hit them. He's not going to be able to create for himself for the most part, and he's going to be looking to distribute more than anything. Charles Matthews, I don't know what kind of three-point shooter he'll be at the next level. He was probably around a 40% three-point shooter in high school, but uh, not really known not really known for his shooting, so I, I, I don't think he'll be a phenomenal three-point shooter. And then obviously Dominic Hawkins, who we've seen – uh, not a lot of over the past two years, but we've seen enough to know, again, that he won't be a three-point threat. So I do think you need some shooters. You're and a lot you- more confident on Hawkins, I think, than most people, or at least I am. I, when I've heard you talk about the next year and the, the backcourt that could be not including what names might be added, you seem a lot more confident about Hawkins getting major minutes than maybe even I am or even other UK fans are. I'm not saying that he's going to get major minutes, but listen, this is a guy in his freshman year after not getting hardly any minutes during the season, guarded Russ Smith, guarded Nick Stalkis. Uh, he, they put him on Shabazz Napier, and that was a tough to defend, and, and they, they, they used him in that UConn Final Four as well. He's a guy that has guarded some of the best players in the country two years ago. Now, this year it was obvious that he wasn't going to get to see the floor uh, much much at all when when – Things got hot and heavy for Kentucky late in the season. Uh, So I think he definitely has his limitations offensively, but I think he's a really good defender. 
And, and if UK only has 9 or 10 or 11 players for next year's team, maybe not 11, but if they only have 9 or 10, I, I, he's going to get some minutes, especially if they need a, a good on-the-ball defender. Ulyss is good, but again, he's he's not the biggest guy in the world, not that Dominic Hawkins is a giant. Briscoe is a solid defender, but not great. Not a lockdown DeAndre Liggins type defender, and I'm not saying that uh, Dominique Hawkins is, but I think he's going to be really good on the perimeter defensively and continue to improve. I do think you're going to see more of him than you have seen the last two years, but that's really not a bold prediction, Trevor, because we haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, but I am I am a little bit higher on Dominique Hawkins than I think most people are. See, I think that's I might a- be higher on Tyler Ulyss than maybe even you and other UK fans are. I was more than impressed. I think for someone who, let's just say this, for someone who was hating on Kentucky during their, their tournament run as a Louisville fan and someone who legitimately, yes, you can boo me and, and say what you want about me, wanted to see him lose because I didn't want to deal with my Kentucky fan friends, I feared when I saw Ulyss on the court. I, I was always smiling more for my cause when I saw Andrew instead of Ulyss out there. That's how more much more respect I had for Tyler Ulyss and Andrew Harrison last year. Well, we can talk more about that after this break. We'll be right back on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Talk Tyler Ulyss and, and what UK's backcourt and team could look like next season, so stick around after these messages. Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. I am totally blanking. What is the thing? Break Nobody tell them. Presented by Allen Electric. Break me off a piece of that. Piece of that Chrysler car. Nope. Football cream. Okay. Break. Give me a break. Later in that episode with Andy not being able to figure out that little jingle, he says, break me off a piece of that fancy feast. It's a cat food. And he's convinced that he has figured out the jingle with fancy feast. Break me off a piece of that fancy feast. That was great, uh, Trevor. You're doing a great job with the intros, man. Dude, my favorite. You didn't. You didn't comment because you were coming late back to the show. But the first one I played with the it's one of my favorite Creed moments of all time with the Creed blog, where Ryan talks about setting it up for him and how it's still just more disturbing than anything you should ever read on the internet. Yeah, I, I heard that. I liked it. Just commenting. Was, no, 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 yeah. no reason. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed that. Um, that's another phenomenal episode of, of the office. And I, I wish, I don't know. I, I wish the office would have never stopped. Now you're a parks and rec guy, right? We've discussed this before. I like parks and rec as well. Yes. What, 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 what other TV shows? Cause I, I'm, but first of all, office is going to get its entire day. I'm thinking about giving it a Friday where it's nothing but office rejoins. Being, oh man, you know, that'd be office. great. I, think, I was going to go Friday or Monday and I couldn't decide. And I think I'm gonna go Friday cause it's more of a, 
better office day. So it won't be this week because we have a short show this Friday, but starting on Fridays, full-time days, we'll have uh, it'll be office day in terms of rejoins. Give me your after office and parks and rec of friendly uh, shows that can be used for uh, rejoins. What's TJ Walker's top five shows? Well, number one, obviously, The Office. Yes, yes. But we're excluding our office and Parks and Rec. Okay, excluding those two. Really, I don't know if I could even make another top five. And I think that you all, you know, I don't also want to use this public platform to get laughed at for some of my guilty pleasure favorite shows. Oh, come on. I'll give one if you give one. I, I obviously like South Park. Okay, South Park's kind of hard to do because the audio is a little, little hard for rejoins, but I can try. Uh, let's see, uh, TV like TV show sitcoms. I really don't watch a ton of them. Uh, now there are some TV shows that I watch that I don't think would make for great sound bites. I'm a big fan of Bar Rescue. Uh, I think that show is absolutely hilarious, and John Taffer is hilariously over the top in all of his episodes. I enjoy, there used to be a show on, I don't think they make them anymore, two shows that used to be on, I don't think they make anymore, that I really enjoyed. Campus PD, which was just absolutely hilarious. It was basically like cops, but for college campus, and uh, all the violations weren't super serious. It'd be like minor in possession or public intoxication. You'd get the occasional, I guess, DUI here and there. Uh, Also, what was that show... It was, I think, on the same network. Uh, they would set up stuff to scare people. I can't think of you it. Watch you watch a little more reality TV than I do. I, I, I'm one of those people that, I don't want to say I despise reality television, but I watch wrestling, and that's as close to reality television as I'll ever get to watching something. Well, what, what's one of your, uh, I do like a lot of reality TV. Also, a big Survivor fan. Hannah got me on Big Brother. Uh, this past season, which I also enjoyed. What are what? Are, what, what, what? What do you like that you were kind of ashamed to admit? <laughs> ashamed to admit? Uh, probably. Uh, I think uh, I, I like Big Bang Theory. I know it's kind of trendy to say and kind of nerdy, but I do like that show. I, I didn't like it until I actually watched it. I hated on it as I do everything else. Watched it and realized it is as good as it uh, it was uh, projected to be. I do know we do share one that you forgot to mention, Sunny in Philadelphia, which I kind of faded away from. Oh yeah, but, forgot uh, Sunny. Uh, the the league was another one that I, I watched heavily and then kind of faded away, even though it's still going on. Uh, anything HBO Showtime, Lie to Me, which is a very funny show uh, on Showtime. Californication, uh, Entourage was another good one. While like was out, Entourage. Weeds was pretty good while it was out. It jumped the shark a little early, but still wasn't bad. Uh, I know Entourage has got a movie coming out. I'll probably go see. I like Arrested Development. Oh, awesome. Oh, not, not, okay. Now you're, you're going to give me a whole other day of Arrested Developments. I love Arrested Development. Good. I like that. It, it, the show that I was thinking of was Scare Tactics, uh, which was just a hilariously stupid show, but fun to watch. Yeah, Always Sunny is obviously fantastic. Now I've got old school. Like Married with Children was always a good favorite of mine. The Simpsons, American Dad. Uh, fam- I can watch Family Guy 24-7. I like Family Guy. I don't watch as much as I used to. Simpsons, I again, I can watch. Not, don't you know, watch a ton of it. Uh, American Dad, I never got into. But yeah, I and I'm sure there's plenty more that I can't think of right now. So that 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 should that should be good enough, I think, for more sound bites. 
And there's movies, of course. I mean, I could always just uh, go through Dumb and Dumber and Old School and, old school and um, Wedding Crashers as well as many times as anybody. Yeah. And if you do a repeat soundbite, as long as it's a good one, I don't mind. I don't think anybody will. I'm trying to give you fresh ones every day, but occasionally I'll throw in a repeat. Fantastic. Captain Arctic tweets in and says that Jerry Meyer has Derek Thornton going to Duke in 2015 with Tyus Jones leaving Duke for the NBA, which I think is a smart decision for Tyus Jones because I don't know what more he could do in one year. I think he'd probably struggle a little bit. Stock's high. You gotta you gotta go when when the going's good. Uh, and he has Derek Thornton, who's a 2016 point guard, going to Duke. He goes to Finley Prep in Las Vegas or Nevada, just outside of Las Vegas. Uh, he's a, a guy that Louisville, Trevor, initially threw out the idea of, hey, you could reclassify. I guess, obviously, that Rick Pitino knew back when he said this, that Chris Jones was a senior and also Terry Rozier was likely going to go pro and he could use some guards. He was the one that threw this idea out to Derek Thornton, who wasn't initially, who wasn't initially thinking about reclassifying, and this opened up this big can of worms. And now he's considering doing it. And if he does it, it's really the only two possible places that he'd end up, uh, because of playing time and whatnot, would be Louisville and Duke. And I think if it came down to those two, I think it'd be Duke. I, as a matter of fact, think that if he even, I think he's going to go to Duke regardless of what year he is, what class he's in. Um, I have made this, this, I put this on Cats Illustrated a long time ago, uh, but supposedly sources told me, if they can be believed, that he wanted to commit to Duke way back when, and people close to him said, no, you don't want to do it this early, you don't want to do this prematurely, you've never even visited Duke, you haven't visited any of these schools, so why don't you take some of your official visits, and he did, uh, and they they even made it so he didn't, because they thought he'd fall in love with Duke without seeing him take any more visits. So he ended up going to Kentucky first, I think maybe he went to Louisville, he went to some other places, and then he went to Duke, uh, was able to make it out of Cameron Indoor without committing, and as you have it, now he's just before he makes a decision on which college to go to, he's got to decide whether he's going to be 2015 or 2016. If I had to guess right now, and I'm wrong a lot, uh, I would say he stays in 2016. Um, Kentucky has offered. I doubt he'd end, he'll end up in Kentucky no matter what. Although I think he likes, I think he likes a lot of schools on his list and would be happy going there. He just feels most comfortable at Duke. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the the runaround there with Derek Thornton. Isn't Louisville already attempting to bring in the, the, the perimeter player Maverick Rowan in a reclassment of this year? Yeah, Maverick Rowan's another guy. I like Maverick Rowan a lot, and I'm not. I, you know, I haven't been following his recruitment because Kentucky hasn't been not recruiting him. But Maverick Rowan is a guy that was initially committed to Pittsburgh, uh, and I remember this story. I was at an event, an Adidas event in Indianapolis last spring. Uh, watching watching Maverick Rowan, who played for the Adidas circuit, watching Carlton Bragg. There's a lot of good Adidas guys last year. Jalen Brown. Adidas was really, really good. But I was watching Maverick Rowan because Slice had just come over from Pittsburgh, and I was told you need to watch out for some of his uh, Pitts commits, maybe decommitting, and it might be worth just talking to them to see where their mind's at. Uh, Mustafa Heron was the other guy, and he's still committed to Pitt for the time being. Uh I wouldn't be surprised at all if he decided to decommit. But Maverick Rowan, I watched him play. He had a really good game. He's fun to watch. He's about six foot five. It kind of reminds me of a 
bigger, bulkier Chandler Parsons, to be honest, a little bit smaller. But the way he plays is fun to watch. He's a really good offensive player, can create, can score, uh, can shoot threes, really score from anywhere. And I went up and talked to him after the game. I just said, hey, are you still fully committed to Pittsburgh? He said, yes, I'm not thinking about going anywhere else. I'm 100% comfortable there. Now, he is a nice guy, but it was a very short conversation because I just wanted to know if, if, if maybe he was wavering a bit. Uh, he said he wasn't. Sure enough, he decommits months later because that's how recruitments work, this and that. Uh, but this, I, I put it in a little note, Trevor, on one of my stories that, hey, Maverick Rowan is solid to Pittsburgh. That was pretty much it. And I get a call from this writer that writes for Pittsburgh. He, did, he didn't write for Rivals, uh, but he was like, hey, man, Maverick Rowan wasn't even, com- wasn't even recruited by Slice. The fact that you would even go talk to him shows that you're out to, to try to get Pittsburgh guys to decommit. I was like, what are you talking about, you loser? No, I'm not. I'm just seeing if the kid decommitted or not. Uh, and did you sure say it to he, him just like that? Did you say, no, I'm not, you loser? I, I did not. But it was like on a, it was on a Twitter direct message. And uh, just like, you're crazy. No, I, I, just, I said, no, I'm not. I'm not out to get that. I, I think it was a fair question. And, hey, he said that he's committed, fully committed, so that's fine. I was so tempted, kind of like the West Virginia guy, that story I told way back when. I was so tempted to text him after he did decommit and say, oh, I guess it wasn't such a crazy thing to ask way back when anyways. Uh, But long story short, he's a 2016 guy, could could reclassify. If he were to reclassify, I think Louisville would be a very likely landing spot for him. Recruiting's crazy this year, man. It wasn't like this a year ago. Well, we don't uh, have the reclassify. And then, I mean, I mean, I know it's been going on for, I know Nolan Noel reclassified a few years ago, but in the last five years, that's been the norm. I mean, before, I guess five years ago, and, and you follow recruiting a lot longer and stronger than I have, but before, now it's just all this reclassifying. Now I can't even keep track of who's going into what class, not alone, let alone who's going where. Yeah, it's it's not. It hasn't always been like this. Captain Ark also tweets in says Michael Qualls from Arkansas has declared for the draft. Not sure if that's news or not. It is news. He announced today. Uh, some people. It's so funny. There's some national guys when a decision like that's made, will say no big surprise. And I, I'm even guilty of doing it sometimes. And it's just. It's almost like those national guys just want to show that they're right. I think uh, there's your answer to Doster earlier in the week that, well, who's the guy that made the biggest mistake declaring? I think we now have our official answer. Well, I, I, I almost get the sense from Qualls that he knows that the NBA might not be his destination, but he does have a kid. And I, I think he's making that more of, okay, I need to start getting paid. Uh, Trevor Lacey also of NC State decided to go to the pros – He's 24. He'll be 24 years old later this year. Uh, so you can understand that decision, although maybe he's not 100% ready. Kind of like a Francisco Garcia type. Uh, I'm at the age where I need to go. If I'm ready or not, I need to go and go now. Yeah, just start start getting some income. And if it works out down the road, it works out down the road. Uh, I, so I think that's what Trevor Lacey was doing. Uh, NC State could have had a, a really exciting team had he stayed. I, I think Cat Barber is going to stay. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think he's going to. So they'll probably just be another average team. Uh, they could have been really good. Uh, a lot of teams were just, I think, one or two guys away from being a really, really good team. Uh, and Captain Arctic wonders if that affects Malik decision, Malik Newman's decision. Uh, I don't think Arkansas is on his list. Now, if you're talking about NC State, NC State is on his list. I can't imagine him going to to NC State. 
I think either he'll stay at home and, and go to Mississippi State, maybe LSU, which isn't too far away, or he'll go to a real power in Kentucky or Kansas and, and want to win a national championship. Wait a minute. So, you're t- so if LSU can add Newman, now they're adding Newman to go along with Blakeney as well as uh, Ben Simmons. I know uh, your boy Jones can't coach his way out of a paper sack, but – I mean, even with that type of three three headed monster, that's at least sweet sixteen or, or or worse or better, is it not? Yeah, yeah. You would think I would say sweet sixteen, but I don't know if I'd be willing to put them much further because uh, who do, who else do you have on the front court with Ben Simmons? You, you had the other guys leave. Yeah, but college basketball, you know as well as I do, is more of a guard oriented perimeter game. I mean, you can have. You can have a greatest front court and zero backcourt, and Kentucky did have the greatest front court, but they had solid backcourt play this year, and not be as good as a team with a better backcourt than no front court. Well, you have to have a good front court for the duration of the season. You have to be able to to you have to have a strong enough front court to help you win games during the regular season. I agree with you. In the tournament, it's really about the perimeter and the guards, but during the season, Dallas, you could have really used a guy like Mickey and Martin. Uh, now I think Quarterman will be one of their guards that are returning. There's, I just don't see them having a lot of depth, and I think they'll be good. I think they'll be fun to watch. If Newman goes there, they're going to be really fun to watch. Still, I don't think a team that's going to to make a Final Four. It's not, it's, it's not easy to win with a lot of freshmen. It's really not. And, and, and Johnny Jones has trouble winning regardless. He has trouble just winning games with – with pretty solid LSU teams. He didn't make, I guess he made the tournament this past year, but two years ago with Johnny O'Brien didn't make the tournament. Johnny O'Brien's about as good as a college big man as you're going to find. May not be the best NBA player, but we're two different worlds. Yeah. He he was fantastic. He, He did everything you want in the college game. He could score, he could shoot, he'd defend, he'd rebound. So, I think he'll, it'll be really tough for him to – it'll be really tough for Johnny Jones to not have a good season, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be a Final Four or anything crazy like that. No, I, was, I wasn't projecting that. I was just thinking even with that much talent, you can a, a bad coach can fall ass backwards into a Sweet 16. Hey, that's true. You're right about that, and that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. And if they have Newman, I would say if they didn't make the Sweet 16 – and you know Newman and Ben Simmons are going to be one and dones. Uh, you probably you probably leave Jones behind, or tell him to pack his bags if you can't do something more than a, or if you can't make us the second weekend of the tournament with that crew. But we'll see. Let's go back to this this Tyler Ulis debate that we got into before the the end of that first break. Where did you get the idea that I that I don't that I, I know you said that you value Tyler Ulis maybe more than me and other people, but I, I've been Tyler Ulysses' biggest supporter since he committed to Kentucky way back when, when people were laughing about John Calipari taking a five nine point guard. I don't, I don't, I didn't mean to make it think like you have been down on Tyler Ulysses. I, I just, I guess my my impression was it just you seem to not be confident with Ulysses taking over the 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 leadership of the point guard or the backcourt position that is left now with the Harrisons and Booker and company leaving, and you seem to be. You've talked a little bit more about Hawkins being more confident, Hawkins getting playing time, than letting Ulysses be the man. And to be honest with you, I know I know he has a small stature, and I know I think Captain Ark tweeted something about, or I saw somebody 
text in and say something about that his stature, his small stature, does hurt him in terms of keeping uh, defenders, you know, at bay. But let's be honest, the Harrison twins let everybody go right past them anyway. They had the size. Ulysses may be undersized, but at least he keeps people in front of him. And if you go back and look at that Wisconsin game, the impact that Ulysses can have not only just hitting the big threes when they come about and other games included, but look at that Wisconsin game, his the threat he put on the court of an on-ball defender and the pressure he can put on a guy bringing the ball up was so much that Bo Ryan had Nigel Hayes bringing the ball up. He, he took the ball out of his point guard's hands and said, I, you know, we'll get it to you in the half court. But we don't want you with the ball in your hands if Ulysses is going to be all over you because you look like a deer in headlights. And Ulysses can can do that. There are some matchups where there were times this season where the it, it, he just didn't really fit in because people were too big. I think the Cincinnati game was one that stood out. Uh, there are some matchups where it's not great for Ulysses, but I, I think he's going to take some tremendous strides in year two. I think he's going to score a lot more than you saw him score this year. His three-point percentage will probably be down because he'll be shooting a lot more, but I think that's a good thing if, if he shoots more for UK. Uh, I'm really high on Ulysses. I think he'll be great, and I, I think Briscoe will be really good. I think Charles Matthews might take a bit more time, but I, I think he's solid as well. And uh, I, I think Dominic Hawkins, if asked to play, won't be a liability for Kentucky. And I, I really, I really mean. I didn't that. mean to make you think I, I, that that sound like I thought Hawkins was a liability. I just don't see him as a a full time a full time starter for the level that Kentucky wants to be at and continue to stay at. I think he's a a bench guy, a guy that can give you maybe ten fifteen minutes off the bench as a, in a backup role, but not a, a full time starter as. Into the eyes of Kentucky fans who want to be serious championship contenders year in and year out, I, I think they they're going to ask Hawkins for some sort of role. I'm not sure which role that will be, but it might be a defensive role here and there. Put him in to get stops. Let Briscoe get a break. Let Ulyss get a break. Uh, it, if you know if you have an open three, take it. Don't expect to hit it, but take it. <laughs> uh, just anything that you can get offensively will be an added bonus. But they know that they can put him in in certain situations. Uh, for three minutes, four minutes tops at a time, and he's going to get some stops. He's going to do his job defensively and not be a, a huge weapon offensively, but maybe that's when you feed the inside a bit more. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, and we've got all summer to talk about that. I, I, I meant to talk about this earlier, but me not doing this first segment kind of pushed my whole schedule back and and this and that. But, Trevor, it's we didn't get to talk about the the video from the bar fight in Richmond. You know, I, I, tr- I watched a little bit of it. I know we didn't get a chance to bring it up yesterday, and it was kind of weird to watch. It, it reminded me, I, was, I felt like I was watching like a, a trailer for the movie Village of the Damned. I don't know if that rings a bell to you in, in pop culture. It was an old 60s sure movie. Sure does not. Look, just look it up and look at the, the children in Village of the Damned and tell me that's not how every person in that video looked like. I had trouble kind of figuring out. I know I didn't get to watch it all, so I heard it. I, I couldn't figure out what was really going on in that video, but... <sighs> You know, it's over with. I mean, apparently, yes, there there should be punishment for those involved, whether they started it or finished the fight. Uh, but you know, just it's it's gone. Let's move on. In my eyes, but I mean, well, not, that's, not that's, that I don't that's, want you to talk about it. That's the approach that Mark Stoops wanted to take. Was he said that nothing from that video surprised him, although he hadn't seen the video. I I doubt you couldn't be surprised at all. Patrick Graffy from EKU, who was once committed to UK and kind of ran out, uh, well, actually enrolled at UK. He was on the team, but kind of pushed out. Uh, that was criminal, really. That's that sort of cheap shot. 
That uh, was he was he a UK commit or did he play at UK? He played at UK. Okay, he did. Okay. I think it might have been his redshirt year or something like that. Uh, but he was on UK's roster, and I, I guess had a semester there, or maybe a full year there. Uh, but that was criminal, and I, I, you know, it's up to really to Drew Barker. But if he wants to press charges, I think he he should be able to do that, uh, and should do that because that was the definition of a cheap shot. And there was no audio for the video, so we don't know what they were saying. I'm sure there was probably some trash talk going on and people saying this and that. And then he just comes through the door and and cold clocks him. Uh, it was. Kind of a, I mean, he shouldn't be proud of that. I'm sure he's Clear, probably not. Clearly, there's a lot more to the backstory of those events that we we will probably never know, or at least publicly be able to talk about in these airwaves that that we don't see in that video. Yeah, it's it is unfortunate, and, and people do stupid things in college, and hopefully, it's not stupid enough where you can't uh, live and learn from it. And I'm sorry, but, but I know, and this is, you can say I'm again, a hater for saying this is a little fan, but at what point, whether it's Drew Barker's fault or not, do you just start, I mean, adding things up of mistake after mistake being made? I mean, yes, he was de- maybe defending himself for a cheap shot, but yet he was also in a bar at EKU at an underage, whether it, they allow underage an 18 or over or not. I mean, you put yourself in those situations time and time again, it stops being a coincidence and starts being a trend. Well, and we talked a lot about this when the incident happened. I was probably actually a little harsh about Drew Barker because, again, we don't know the details of what he did, but I don't think anybody deserves just to get a cold, uh, a, a cheap shot, to the, a sucker punch to the back of the head. But <clears throat> that being said, there is some truth to what you're saying, Trevor. You, you've, you've just got to be smarter. You're a, a public figure now. You're the future of UK football. You know, even if it doesn't work out for you as a quarterback at Kentucky, with all the hype that was around you, you're still representing the university. You can't put yourself in positions like that. We're out of time for today, uh, as Captain Arctic says. Sometimes we could just go for three hours, and that's not a lie. Uh, but we don't have three hours, uh, so we will be back tomorrow. Trevor, thanks for filling in early on. Uh, we'll have a full hour and a half. Tomorrow, also Louisville's City FC game day. So tune in, fourteen fifty the sports buzz. We'll talk to you then.